Morning, church. My name is John. I serve as one of the pastors here on staff. If you're a guest with us this morning, we are glad you're here. We love guests. Guests come every week, and it's our, our hope and our prayer that you will feel quickly at home here at Glen Ellen Bible Church. If you have questions about who we are as a church, who we are as a community of faith, we'd love to answer those questions for you. You can head to the welcome table in the welcome center. There's someone there who will greet you, ask or uh, answer your questions, any questions you, you have. They'll give you a, a gift, a book written by our senior pastor that kind of outlines our mission as a church and what we're aiming at um, as a church. You can also head to the gym, Rathbun Hall, after service, donuts, coffee, kids in chaos, all sorts of fun things happening uh, in the gym. I also invite you, if you'd like, come down after service. I'll be down here in the front if you do want to meet me. Um, I'd love to get to know you and uh, answer any questions you may have as well. If you are new or you haven't been here uh, for a while, this fall we kicked off a sermon series in the book of Hebrews called Greater Than. Greater Than. The book of Hebrews is really a story. Uh, It's really a, a series of sermons Uh, preached uh, to a church made up of mostly Jewish believers, those who are Jewish and have now found faith in Christ, believing the Messiah. The book of Hebrews is this 13-chapter sermon or a collection of sermons aimed at helping the church follow Jesus. Follow Jesus. The theme is In Hebrews, over and over and over and over and over again is that Jesus is greater. It's really a book about the supremacy of Christ, the supremacy of Jesus Christ, that Jesus is greater, Jesus is uh, more amazing, Jesus is more supreme than anything we could imagine. In this particular case, the, the preacher in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, is is really focused on telling his church, those followers, not to go back. Not to go back to what they were following before. And so over and over and over again, the the preacher outlines that Jesus is greater than the things of old. Greater than the prophets. Greater than angels. Greater than the old high priests. Over and over and over again, we hear this theme that Jesus is greater. Don't fix your eyes on anything but Jesus. Don't hold on to anything but Jesus. 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 Over and over and over again. Well, today we come to Hebrews chapter 8, and the chapter is really divided into two parts. The first part of the chapter is verses 1 through 6a. The second part of the chapter is 6b through the end of the chapter, which is verse 13. I get it. It's weird to divide a chapter in the middle of a verse. But sometimes when you're preaching and and writing, your thoughts can change and the numbers in the verses don't always line up with your thoughts perfectly, right? And that's what we have today. We have a Uh, A first half and a second half and it's not like they don't have anything to do with each other Of course, they're they're connected to one another, but they're really easier to tackle sort of one half 
at a time. And so we're going to start with that first half. We're going to be in Hebrews 8, verses 1 through 6a uh, this morning. That's where we're going to start. It goes like this. You're welcome to turn there in your copy of the scriptures. The words will be on the screen as well. Now the main point of what we are saying is this. We do have such a high priest who sat down at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven and who serves in the sanctuary, the true tabernacle set up by the Lord, not by, mere human, not by a mere human being. Every priest is appointed to offer both gifts and sacrifices. And so it is necessary for, for this one also to have something to offer. If he were on earth, he would not be a priest, for there are already priests who offer the gifts prescribed by the law. They serve at a sanctuary that is a copy and shadow of what is in heaven. This is why Moses warned, this is my, why Moses was warned when he was about to build the tabernacle, see to it that you make everything according to the pattern shown you on this mountain. But in fact, the ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs. Stop. All right, the author says, all right, let me, let me finalize all this talk that, that I've been having, all these things that I've been sharing about Jesus, about Jesus being our better, true, real, eternal high priest. What he's saying is, let me get to the, the main point. I've been talking all about Melchizedek and who Melchizedek was and how that relates to Jesus, and I've been talking about the, the high priest and the system of the Levitical priest. Well, let me get to the main point. See, up until this point, the, the author has told us that Jesus is not like any human priest of old. He doesn't serve in an earthly tabernacle. He is the, the true, the real, the full, the greater high priest. And he ministers not in an earthly temple, but in the heavenly temple, the eternal temple. The Levitical high priests and their sacrifices, the earthly temple that they served in, those were all designed to be a shadow, to be a picture, to, to point us to something greater, to, to point people to something greater. That something greater was going to come, something greater was going to happen. These were just mere shadows, images of the true and greater that would be coming. It was designed to, to set the, the expectation that one day there would be a Messiah. A Messiah that would come, a Emmanuel, God with us, the true high priest. And what the preacher is saying here is that he has come. What you have been waiting for the true, the real high priest has come. And he's seated in the true, the real heavenly temple. He has come. 
1 Timothy 2, 5 and 6 summarizes for us what has happened here. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. And so the preacher here, the, the main point, he says, let me get to the main point. The main point of what we are saying as we talk about Jesus and we talk about Melchizedek and we talk about the, the Levitical priests and that Jesus is better than all. Let me get to the main point. And the main point that the preacher is saying is we do have. We do have. We do have a high priest. We do have a high priest serving on our behalf. But he doesn't serve like the Levitical priest, and he doesn't serve in an earthly tabernacle. He isn't feeling the effects of old age, or he isn't passing away like the high priest of old. He's not following the rituals of the Mosaic law. No, he, he's greater than all that. All the sacrificial work that was done day after day after day by the Levitical priest. No, he, he's done all that work once and for all on the cross. The true high priest has offered himself as the sacrifice for our sins. Church, this is the gift that he has given. It is a gift to us. We have we do have, we have a high priest, a true and lasting high priest, greater than all the high priests of old. It's Jesus. He's serving us now, and he will serve us forever. The point he's making here is we no longer need this, this human mediator between us and God. We have Jesus. We have Jesus. We, we no longer need the blood of sheep to cleanse us. We, we no longer need the blood that, is off, that comes from offering sacrifices of sheep and goats because we have the blood of Jesus to cleanse us. We no longer need the, the central or earthly temple. We have Jesus seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly temple. We have Jesus. We do have Jesus. His ministry is superior. His ministry is superior in that through his service to us, his, his death on our behalf and his resurrection from the dead, his work is eternal. It's complete. It's final. He is seated in heaven and we do have today salvation through We do have. We do have. The Messiah has come and we can be free from our sins. We are cleansed eternally and forever by his blood. This is the main point the preacher is giving us. And church, we need to grasp onto this. Because what the Bible is telling us here, what the, the word of God is telling us here is not that we don't need a high priest. 
It is not saying that we do not need a mediator. In fact, the, the complete opposite is true. We desperately need a mediator between us and God. We are, are broken and sinful. And God is, is other and holy. And we need a mediator to bridge that gap between us and God. We desperately need a sacrifice to be paid. We desperately need to be cleansed. We desperately need a high priest. And here's what the main point is, is that God has given us that high priest. That God has given us that high priest. And this high priest, and instead of offering the sacrifices of, of sheep and goats and birds and whatever else, he, he says, I will be the sacrifice. I will shed my blood on your behalf so that you can be reunited with the Father. We do have this high priest. We desperately need this high priest. And praise God, in his grace, he gave us Jesus to be our high priest, to shed his blood for us. He gave himself to pay our ransom. Church, this is the gospel. This is the good news. Let it wash over you this morning. Let the gospel wash over you this morning. If your heart has grown hard and calloused, or if your, your mind is stuck on something else, man, free it this morning and hear the good news this morning. Let it wash over you new this morning. Every day when we rise, we should look in the mirror and say, I need to be reminded of the gospel today because the proclivity of my heart is prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Every day I need to be reminded of the goodness of God through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. The gospel. Let it wash over you this morning that you do have a way to be free from the sin that entangles you. The sin that causes guilt and shame and death in your life. We can call out to Jesus. We need you, Jesus, as our Lord and our Savior. Cry out this morning. Cry out this morning. All right, let's keep moving. Let's move to the second half. Let's move to the second half of the passage this morning. We'll pick it up in 6b, and we'll take it to the end of the chapter. This is the main section of the the chapter here, the preacher is actually quoting for us, for the, for the bulk of it, Jeremiah 31, verses 31 through 34. As the covenant of which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. For if there had been nothing wrong with that first covenant, 
no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, The days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and the people of Judah. I will, it, will not, it will not be like the covenant I made with their ancestors when I took them by hand and led them out of Egypt because they did not remain faithful to my covenant. And I turned away from them, declares the Lord. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord. Now listen to the covenant. I will put my laws in their minds and I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord, because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. By calling this covenant new, he has made the first one obsolete. And what is obsolete? and outdated will soon disappear. All right, before we jump in and I I work through this text for us this morning, let's do a little work and talk about covenants because covenants are such a big deal and we need to understand them a little bit more. The, The idea of covenants is really the backbone of the Bible because it's the frame or the the skeleton, the framework or the skeleton in which the the redemption story that our redemption history is built on so what is a covenant let me offer some words on the screen here that will help you understand help us understand what a covenant is a covenant is a chosen relationship or partnership in which two parties make a binding promise to each other and work together to reach a common goal covenants are are often accompanied by old oaths and signs and ceremonies covenants contain defined obligations and commitments and here's the key they differ from a contract and that they are relational and personal this isn't the signing of a legal document when you buy a home or settle a dispute or decide to go into business together it's much deeper than that it's much more meaningful than that the closest thing that we have to a covenant in our modern day is a marriage. It's a wedding. The closest thing that we have to a covenant today is a wedding. I, John, take you, Carrie, to be my wife and husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, In sickness and in health, I promise to love you and cherish you and be faithful to you for as long as we both shall live. If you Google a picture of 18-year-olds getting married, this is what you get. It's a joke. It's a bad joke. Yeah, 22 more like, right? Doesn't Carrie look fantastic? If you look at Carrie today, she looks like the same. I'm not keeping up my end of the bargain. (laughs) This is the the closest we have to understanding what a covenant is like. The the covenant of marriage is the closest thing that we have. There's these, these commitments and promises and oaths, and they're deeply personal and deeply relational. This isn't just signing your name to something. This is giving your your heart to it, your whole life to it. You would die for that. 
that promise and that commitment. At least we should, right? That's the level of commitment we're talking about when we're talking about covenants. I need to keep moving here. God is a God of covenants. That's how he works. The first covenant that's mentioned here in Hebrews, the first covenant that's mentioned here in Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 8, is called the Old Covenant. And this is the the one that God made with Israel at Mount Horeb through Moses. It's important to understand covenants because at no time are the people of God not operating under a covenant. And there are are various covenants that happen throughout the, the history of the people of God. And we are always operating under a covenant. And so this old covenant that's referenced here is the covenant that was made between God and the Israelites after they were rescued from Egypt. This is called the Mosaic Covenant. It's named after Moses. And throughout the New Testament, it is referred to over and over and over again as the Old Covenant. This was the covenant concerning the law, the moral law, and the civil law, and the ceremonial law for the people of Israel. And it was designed for them to to enjoy the promised land. That was the design of the Mosaic Covenant. And it was a, it's important, a conditional covenant. A conditional covenant. It was given so that if they followed the the laws and the statutes given, if they were obedient, then they would enjoy the promised land. They had to meet certain conditions of the covenant in order to achieve the promises that were given. It's a conditional covenant. All the details of the Mosaic Covenant are, are, are more than I can cover this morning. If, you, if you're interested in them, they're in Exodus 19 through 23. But basically, it comes down to, to this. God says, if, if, Israel, you obey, then you will be my very own possession. You will be God's very people. And you will be a kingdom of priests. And you will be a holy nation if. If. And the Mosaic Covenant, the Mosaic Covenant was mediated. It was carried out. All the the, the stipulations, the laws, and the ordinances, and everything that they had to do was carried out by the Levitical priests. They worked every day. Their ministry was, was every day in the temple for the people serving them and mediating this covenant. When the covenant called for a certain type of sacrifice, the Levitical priests would mediate that covenant, would mediate that sacrifice, would make that sacrifice and and be a mediator between the people who needed to be cleansed of sin or something they had done. The Levitical priests carry out this work every single day. And so the preacher here in Hebrews says that the old covenant is inferior to a new covenant. A new covenant that is now in place. A new covenant which has been inaugurated and, and established through Jesus. And here is where it starts to get real. Because he's just told a whole bunch of people that were living under the old covenant for, thousand, for a thousand years that is inadequate. 
that it is old and that it is gone and it will pass away and there's this new covenant. And so you know if you've heard me preach before, you know I like to ask questions, right? So my question is, what's wrong with the old covenant? What's wrong? Did, Did God mess up? Did God make some kind of mistake? Did God say, okay, do over? I'm hitting the do over button. What happened? What was wrong with the old covenant? Let me explain a little bit of what was wrong with the old covenant, why the old covenant did not last. The first thing, the first thing I would offer is this, that although there was a high priest who would regularly offer animal sacrifices for sins, the sacrifices that were offered could never fully, finally secure their forgiveness. They had to go back over and over and over again. You committed a sin or you were living sinfully and you had to make a sacrifice. Well, then after a little bit of time, you had to go back again and offer another sacrifice. And you had to go back again and offer another sacrifice. Over and over and over again, they The sacrifices could not fully cleanse and could not permanently offer forgiveness. Under the new covenant, we'll talk about this more in a moment, but under the new covenant, we are fully forgiven once and for all. The second thing I would offer is that the the law of the old covenant that came through Moses was unable to supply the power that people needed to actually fulfill and obey it. So the, the, the old covenant came with these laws and stipulations that the people had to follow, but it didn't come with the power to actually make that happen. The people had to, to follow it on their own. But under the new covenant that we, hear, we read about here in Hebrews 8, under the new covenant, there's, there's power that comes with the new covenant. That power comes from the Holy Spirit that gives us the the strength that the Holy Spirit's indwelling in us, enabling us to to participate in the new covenant, to be a part of the new covenant, to desire the new covenant, to follow the laws and stipulations that God calls us to, to live righteously, to participate fully in the new covenant. We have the Holy Spirit, which gives us power and strength and will and might because the Holy Spirit is now indwelling in us. Third, the Mosaic Covenant fell short because it was temporary. It was actually designed by God this way. It was designed to be temporary. God never intended the old covenant to last forever. He never intended it to be a final revelation of his will for mankind. He knew in the creation of the covenant that a new covenant would be coming, that a new covenant would be permanent. All right, so let's turn. Let's turn to the new covenant Let's ask the question, okay, so then if that's the old covenant and now we understand and see where it fell short, well, what's the the new covenant? You've talked to us a little bit about it. Let's talk about it more. What is the new covenant? 
Hebrews 8, 10 through 12. This is the covenant I will establish with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my laws in their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. No longer will they teach their neighbor to say to one another, know the Lord because they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest. For I will forgive their wickedness and I will remember their sins no more. Church, in this passage, Jeremiah describes the new covenant between God and man. And when he describes this new covenant, he is describing the ministry of Jesus Christ. He is describing the ministry of Jesus Christ, both the ministry of Jesus now, today, and the ministry of Jesus at the end of days. Jesus' ministry now and Jesus' ministry at the day of the Lord, at the end, when Jesus returns again. When we read this prophecy, we see that Jesus is the, 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 the establisher, the, the creator of this covenant. And Jesus is the one who fulfills these promises. In fact, Jesus himself shares about his role in the new covenant. He says in Luke 22, verse 20, in the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. See, Jesus himself is saying that he is the new covenant, that he has offered up his blood, which will be poured out for us. All right, now, before we move to a celebration of this, a celebration of this of Jesus and what he's done in the new covenant. There's, there's one question, and maybe you caught it. It seems like, it seems like the covenant is being established with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. What does verse 8 mean? Wouldn't that mean for, for us that us, that's meaning this, this room, us today, the, the church of Jesus Christ, that, that we have no benefit or we're not involved in or we're not included in this new covenant? After all, most of us here in this room, I'm assuming, are Gentiles, not descended from Israel and Judah physically. I want to tell you this morning, it means no such thing. It means no such thing. Because Scripture tells us without a doubt that the church of Jesus Christ, that we are the benefactors of this covenant. I made seven um, points, seven reasons why, but I'll just share with you three this morning. There's three reasons why we can, we can claim this covenant, we can claim these promises as the church of Jesus Christ today. The first thing is that the Apostle Paul, he quotes in 1 Corinthians 11 the words of Jesus, and he tells the church about its responsibility to celebrate the Lord's Supper. We do that here every month, the first Sunday of every month. We read these words from 1 Corinthians 11, where Paul is telling the church about our responsibility to participate and celebrate the Lord's Supper. And in that, in 1 Corinthians 11, he mentions 
that this is the celebration of the new covenant that was prophesied in Jeremiah 31. Church, Jeremiah's prophecy is applicable to the entire body of Christ, the entire church, which is composed of of believing Jews and believing Gentiles. The second thing I would say is that in, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul explicitly says that we are now the recipients and ministers of the new covenant. When Paul speaks to the church, he says he has made us competent as ministers of the new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Church, we are a part of the new covenant. Finally, I would say in Galatians 3, verse 16, and Galatians 3, 28 and 29, and in numerous other places, Paul tells us that everyone who believes in Jesus Christ, no matter who they are, no matter what they look like or who they are, that they are now the seed of Abraham. And because they are the seed of Abraham, they are heirs according to the promise. What these scriptures tell us here is that over and over and over again, that the only thing that matters is our faith in Jesus Christ in our, in our heart. If you trust Jesus, whether you are male or female, slave or free, Jew or Gentile, you are the seed of Abraham, the Israel of God. Galatians 6, verse 16. And you are members of the new covenant. And because we are members of the new covenant, there is so much to celebrate. There is so much to celebrate because... The new covenant is a covenant of grace. The new covenant is is all about grace. Not our actions and behaviors. Not our obedience, but God's grace. The new covenant says over and over and over again, I will. I will will. There are no ifs, buts in the new covenant with Jesus. It is made up on absolute promises on God's part. The new covenant is a covenant of grace, and it cannot be put in jeopardy because of our stupidity or our sinfulness. The old covenant was full of ifs, and buts, but the new covenant is full of I will through God's grace. If you were obedient, you would be blessed. But the new covenant says, if you believe in me, you will be blessed. The old covenant was a covenant of works and of law, but the new covenant is a covenant of grace. We simply say, yes. We simply say, yes, Jesus, I I want to be in the covenant with you. And then the rest is his work. We simply say, I want to turn from what I'm pursuing, and I want to turn to you and be in your covenant. 
And then you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're given the strength and the power to follow him, to pursue him. And it's, it's interesting here. It's, it's really beautiful, church. I, I, I get like caught up in it when I talk about it and think about it. But what he is saying is that the, the law that you had to look at that was outside of you, that you were trying to look at and read and understand and strive for and get done, I've now put that inside of you. It's now chiseled on your heart and it's in your mind. And the Holy Spirit is going to remind you of it. That the obedience that you have is because I have come in you. I have made you new. I have made you clean. I have renewed you with my blood in the new covenant. And everything that you were trying to do, I've actually put that in your heart. And, and you're going to change. Everything about you is going to change. Christ follower, church, everything's going to be different. You don't have to strive for that stuff anymore to try to merit my favor or to, to earn cleanliness. Because I've renewed your heart and I've changed everything about you. And you have the Holy Spirit in you now. And you want to pursue righteousness? And you want to pursue goodness? Because that law that is chiseled on your heart and it's in your mind. It's not, it's not cast away, forgotten forever. The, the righteousness of God is now in you and that's what you want to be like. That's how you want to live. Are you tracking with me this morning? This is such good news, church. This is so powerful. This is life-changing material. It's not my words. This is the word of God. That Christ has come. His blood has cleansed us. He's put the desire for righteousness in your heart. He wants to free you from sin and slavery. And he wants you to run free, following righteously, obedient to him. He wants to care for you as his child. He knows you. He knows everything about you, church. He knows what you're wrestling with this morning. He knows what you did last night. He knows the tree of sin that you keep circling around and around, and he just says, come to me. Let me bear that burden for you. I am your high priest. Let me, let me take it for you. Let me cleanse you. Let me free you of the, the sh shame and the guilt that you have. I could go on and on about the goodness of God. Praise God for Jesus. Amen? Let me pray. And we'll sing about his goodness. Father God, you are good. We love you. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We are so grateful today for Jesus. We're so grateful that we do not have to do this on our own, that we have a Savior who has come and died for us, given his life for us so that we can be free. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Um, you can stand. We're going to sing a couple songs to close this morning. If you would like prayer this morning, please come down, down front. Be prayed over this morning. We have people down here ready to minister to you in prayer. So please come forward and be prayed for.